Welcome back to the QAV podcast. I uh, don't know what episode this is. You work it out. I think it's probably 15. Well, now welcome to uh, all of our new subscribers. Welcome to the people who have just tuned in for the first time. How are you, Tony K? I'm good. I'm good. That's and good. thanks for coming down last week. That was great. That was good fun, yeah. Despite uh, Chinese warships being parked outside your window, we all, we all made it through. We all survived. We did. And you know what? The very next day, it was clear blue skies. Of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, a uh, couple of things I, I want to talk about uh, just in this uh, first part of the show. One thing before we forget, you mentioned last week's show that Apollo Tourism and Leisure for new listeners, this is a stock that we looked at early on and it looked all right and then it just crashed uh, after they issued a profit downgrade out of the blue. You mentioned last week that it seemed to be coming back up and we should keep an eye on it. I note that as of today, it's back up to 44 cents from, I think, a low of maybe 33 or something like that. Yeah, 43.5 I have, and according to Stock Doctor, it's up 13% since last Friday. Mm. So overnight, basically. Right, um, and I think it's low, it was down about maybe 38 cents uh, last week, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when should we buy back into this, Tony? When it hits the three-point trend line um, for... New listeners, that means we're looking at the graph and we're looking at uh, the, the the recent peaks. Yeah, so that's when I normally would. But I'm just looking at the share price graph now for Apollo and it's going to take a while to do that, I think, because it fell off so steeply. It's going to have to get back to about sort of the 60 cent mark before it's a solid sentiment. So definitely if it gets back to around 50 or 60 cents yes i'm inclined almost at the moment now just to hang on and wait until the results come out in right. august we're getting that close to it uh, if if certainly if this trend continues you might want to buy back back in but there's no rush really really i mean if we'd bought in when i was in sydney last week we'd be up what is it 13% in a week but uh, that doesn't worry no not at all <laughs> plenty of other fish in the sea <laughs> okay well cuz because we could have also bought in at you know, had the same thought and bought back in at 50 cents and be underwater now. So pretty hard to pick the bottom. Right. Okay. Mm. Good to know. Now, Ooh. you uh, want to talk about when to sell, not when to buy. Yeah, which we kind of did touched on with Apollo Tourism and Leisure. It issued a downgrade and the shares fell off a cliff, so we decided to sell. Do you recall what the price was when we did that? I do. 60 cents. Yeah, so we haven't gotten back to that stage yet. Right. But and that was the point I made, I think, in the last episode. We sold at 60. We, we could buy in now at 43 or we could have bought in last week at 33. And that's, you know, probably would have recovered our losses if we wanted to operate that way. And that was a, a form of shorting. But the point I wanted to make was that's probably a good good place to start talking about when to sell. So we, we sold at a higher price and we now have the option, if we want, to buy back in at a lower price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's... Pretty much the same for, for all the shares we have. But I wanted to go through some examples because I have been asked by listeners to the podcast, uh, okay, you've told us when to buy, when the score is good, when do we sell? And the sort of questions I've been asked is, do we sell as soon as the score goes above the point one that we, we typically look at buying at below? Or do we sell when the share price might uh, trend down for a while? What, what are the What are the rules? Uh, and so I just wanted to run through the sort of rules I use. And 
I use the rule. I use the word rule lightly. I, I think they're more kind of heuristics, more kind of general rules of thumb rather than hard and fast rules. But certainly, you know, if there's bad news coming out like we have with Apollo, that's that's a real worrying time to to have a look at things. And we decided to sell. But there are lots of cases where we'll buy into a stock and it's below the point one level, and then it will start to rise, which is what we want to happen. Other people will buy in. And then if we redid the QAV score in a few months' time, it might be well above, well below, sorry, the point one score. Did I say before we buy below point one or above point one? No, buy below and then sell when it goes above. Yeah, so that's the wrong way around, sorry. We buy above and sell when it goes below. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're looking for, for companies that score above the point one score. But then if they go up in price and they come back to point one or even come back to below point one, do we sell them? And typically what I do is put them on a watch list. And if there's no new information and the share price keeps going up, I'll hold. But if the share price goes through one of those three point downtrends and I'll sell and I'll just watch the future results and buy back in if the results warrant it. Um, so that's the first example. And, and obviously Nirvana for us is, is that uh, the share price keeps going up and we never have to worry about the three-point sell. And an example of that is a company called Northern Star Resources. The code is NST. And that's one of the ones I wanted to talk about today. So if you look at the share graph of NST, Northern Star Resources, going back over the last five years, you know, the five years ago, the share price was down around $1.40. And it's now just nudging $10. It's $9.96 today. And it's had a, a pretty good run all the way through without much of a downtrend. There's been a couple of peaks and troughs, but the, the major underlying trend's been up. So that's something we've been able to buy at a, a good price and then hold on. But if we did the QAV score today, it wouldn't be a buy because the share price has just run so much. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we want to see in our portfolio. But I do watch it probably on a monthly basis or at least every couple of months to make sure that it's not it's not uh, down you know going down for some reason and uh, if it is then to do a bit of a google search or have a look at the ASX announcements and see if there's a reason for that and then make up my mind whether to stay in or, or get out at that time so that's what kind that's, of a, what kind of a reason would be a good enough reason well, the, the Apollo example is a good one. So they've come out with a profit downgrade, which has spooked the market. Northern Star Resources is a gold miner. So an example might be that they've come out and said that, uh, you know, the, oh, there's a whole heap of examples. They may have done some drilling um, earlier on and, and the results look good, but now they've started to do further work and it doesn't look so good. Uh, they may have had a problem with a mine, which they're now saying is uh, going to uh, mean less gold is mined and sold this year. But, you know, sometimes what that means is that it just defers that, that income until next year. So you've got to decide whether that's good or bad news in the longer term. And that happened with another stock that I own recently called St. Barbara Mining. S- SBM is their uh, code, S- uh, St. Barbara Limited. And they're another gold miner. And they came out with some news, uh, I think from memory, it talked about they thought they were going to be able to get more output of a mine because they were improving the ventilation 
in the mine or the ventilation system or the style of ventilation, which allowed them to be more productive and they decided not to go ahead with it and the share price uh, fell back. Um, so that was basically on the basis of uh, downward guidance and so that was another example of where you sell. And if you look at the gold, uh, the, the stock price again, it's sort of up until up until perhaps January, maybe February, it looked like the Northern Star Resources graph. So you could have bought in five years ago as low as 10 cents. And at its peak, it was $4.80. And it's now come back to $2.55 on the, on the announcement that came out a month or so ago. And I chose to sell out just after that announcement. Uh, you can see the trend graph, the trend line dropped below the, the upward trend and there was some bad news. So that was, uh, you know, two hits to it and a good reason to sell. Hold on a second. Say that again. Northern Star's trading at what? Northern Star is at about $9.90. Yeah, well, so you were talking, well, which one were you talking about? $2? Uh, St. Barbara. Oh, okay. I think you said Northern Star. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, SPM, St. Barbara's Mining. Right. So that's now two dollars fifty-five. Going back a going back a bit, you were talking about the point one score that we look at on the checklist, and you want it to be greater than point one to buy it. And it's if it's less than point one, it's not a buy. Can you summarise for us what the point one represents? I mean, we refer to it as the measure of value in the checklist, but as a number, what's it what's it showing us? Well, the point one is actually a combination of quality and value, so it's a combination of the the value measure which was operating cash flow to share price and we wanted that to be six or less and then the quality side of things which was our checklist score is uh, we're hoping for 75 percent or above but when you combine those two scores together the quality score from the checklist and the price to cash flow score you get the 0.1 scale which is our overall qav rating yeah, I get that, but what is it actually showing us? It's a mathematical representation of something. Can you can you articulate in English what it's a mathematical representation of, apart from quality and value? <laughs> no, that's what it is. I mean, that's all maths is, really. It's like a there's a seesaw. On one side, you've got a quality score, and on the other side, you've got a uh, a value score. Yeah. So, and you're trying to balance it. You're saying, well. If it's too cheap, if it's really cheap, but the quality's poor, then the seesaw doesn't doesn't level out. And if it's too, if it's a really good quality, but the price is too high, then the seesaw tips the other way. So we're trying to point one is kind of equilibrium on the seesaw, I guess, between quality and value. Why why is point one equilibrium and not? Oh yeah, it's, one? that's fairly arbitrary. Right. Yeah, that's that's arbitrary. How how did you come up with that? Just through experience, so regression testing and experience. So going back over lots of data and yeah. just trying lots of variables and seeing you know what seemed to come out in the wash. Yes, that's right. And look, and that's a really good point, Cam, is a lot of these things are just rules of thumb, like why would the price to operate in cash flow be six and not seven or eight? Um, why, why is the quality score we're after 75% and not... 50%. They're all, I guess what we're trying to do is find directionally companies that fit these values and, and therefore it's relative. Um, 
we know what a good score looks like and we know what a bad score looks like and the numbers that I use are kind of in between. But there's no, there's no, I mean, I'm sure if uh, there's a there's a PhD student out there, they could probably do a better regression test than I did and come up with a, a number that was even more accurate and more beneficial. But that's just where I've landed over time. Right. Okay. Mm. Okay. But that's a really, really good point. I mean, all these things, you know, if there was... Um, infinite time and infinite money, you get people in to do those kinds of regression tests and really, really fine-tune it. Yeah. I was thinking about it because I was, you know, I was talking about your your scoring and your checklist to somebody uh, recently, and they said, well, why point one? I said, well, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> Tony says it's point one. Yeah. And then I felt a little bit like... Uh, religious person saying well why is god three three things in one i'm like look it just is okay i don't mine is not to question kino <laughs> and look it's that's a really good point because uh you know if what sometimes happens is when we get a a company to buy the results are coming out and you don't always necessarily want to buy all your all your shares on one day you Sometimes dollar cost averaging isn't a bad way to go. And sometimes also too, when company reporting season is on, you might get a number of shares to buy on the one day and you just physically can't buy all the shares you want in all the companies on the same day. So you spread it out over time and the share price might start to rise. I've always kept buying in those circumstances, even though the, the QAV score might fall below 0.1, uh, just because uh, I'm trying to get set. I haven't got to the to the amount I wanted to buy. And like you say, is it is 0.1 better than 0.9 or 0.8? There's no real hard science in that that uh, that number. And so I keep buying. So that's a, that's a really good point you raise. There's no hard science in that it's set in stone, that number. That's just your... I mean, there's, there's science in how you... How, uh, the metrics that you look at to evaluate it, but at the end of the day, that where that line is between a buy and not a buy is just comes down to a bit of your gut feel. Well, and experience, definitely, yeah. Well, that's what gut feel is, right? It's, it's yeah, I guess so. It's data plus experience is your gut feel. Yeah, and a bit of regression testing thrown in. Yeah, um, it's that's um, the beauty of keeping spreadsheet records is you can go back and say, well, what would it have been like if it had been yeah. 0.2 or what would it have been like if it had been 0.5 and, and it's, you know, look at the results. It, Malcolm Gladwell would say that's your 10,000. It got feel as the result of your 10,000 hours. Yeah, that's right. What was the name of that book? The, the That was... The Outer Limits? No. Outlier. Outliers. Outliers. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. Something like that, yeah. Outer Limits was a TV show. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Um, what else has been on your mind uh, this week? I um, I came across a guy this week called Alan Austin. Um, you ever read his stuff? Uh, sort of finance journalist. No, I haven't. I don't think he uh, writes. I think for um, I don't know Independent Australia. He's published on a number of different places. Um, but he wrote something uh, fairly brutal about the state of the economy last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's created a thing called the, I think he created it, called the IAREM, the Independent Australia, which is independentaustralia.net, um, sort of, I think, somewhat independent news publisher. 
The IARM, it's the, uh, what does it stand for? The Independent Australia Ranking on Economic Management, um, by which he judges the, uh, how the country's doing. He's got an equation, a little bit of algebra here. Um, that he looks at eight variables. Reminds me a bit of your system. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's how he judges how how countries' economies are doing. And, um, yeah, he says Australia's gone from, I think, number one in the countries that he was, I think it's OECD countries he's looking at, number one in 2013, 14, to, I think, 21st. So, anyway, he's not uh, he's not uh, feeling very good about how the economy's going. Uh, have you had any different thoughts on it in uh, since our last chat? I don't think so, really. I mean, it's prima facie not doing that well, given that the RBA's lowered rates. So that's that's the real objective test, isn't it? But we've had Alan Kohler on. He's, he said he didn't think it was going well, and, and now this chap you've talked about is saying the same thing. I'm still a bit more sanguine. Um, like I said, I think in an earlier podcast, I have my three-point checklist, which is, again, just a heuristic, interest rates, petrol prices, and the dollar. And interest rates have just been lowered. The petrol, the oil price is coming off, so petrol price is going down at the Bowser. We should have seen a drop in the dollar with the drop in the interest rate, but the US, I think, also has either cut rate or cut rates or looking like cutting rates, so their dollar's going down as well. So we haven't fallen much below what we were before the rate cut. But on, on my sort of heuristic, we're still okay. Um, I understand all the arguments being made about unemployment rate rising and the the other unemployment rate, the uh, utilisation rate going up and things like that, and I have some sympathy with those arguments. Uh, and there's also, I've just read in the last week, construction, uh, the bottom's falling out of the house construction market and the building construction market, so that will flow through in a negative way to the economy fairly soon. Even with Apollo Tourism Malaysia, we talked about uh, one of the, the canaries in the coal mine being the reduction in car sales and or motor vehicle sales, which hit Apollo. So there's certainly enough indicators to say the economy's not doing well or, or in the process of getting worse. Um, it's just not feeling like recession territory to me yet. Mm. Okay, so what else do you want to talk about? Well, I think we should just do one more example of when to sell, and that's Vocus which is another company that uh, I've owned. Vocus, V-O-C-U-S. That's right. The ASX code is V-O-C. Right. And are we going to do an analysis first or do you want to talk about this in broader terms? I think we should do the analysis, but we can talk about it in broad terms first of all. So Vocus is a company I bought last year after its results came out. And if you look at the share graph, I'm not sure exactly when I bought it, but it would have been around 250 or so. The bottom of the share graph is about 240. Uh, it's now 383. Uh, and Four. the interesting thing about Vocus was a couple of weeks ago, I think I was sending you emails saying, yippee, they've just had a shared price or, uh, sorry, a company takeover announced. Mm-hmm. And a company called EQT, which from memory is a Scandinavian private equity firm or venture capitalist, probably probably private equity firm, had come in and asked to do due diligence and had lobbed the price at Vocus. I think if I remember, it was around the sort of uh, high fours, maybe even $5 a share. Mm-hmm. But then about two weeks later, they pulled out and no one really knows why. 
they're refusing to answer questions from reporters and all Vocus has said, they've come out and said, we're happy that they've gone. It's a bit of a distraction for us. We think we're in a, the start of a three-year turnaround phase and we just like to get on with it. So the speculation is that the numbers weren't great when EQT had a look or the numbers were too early into the turnaround phase to be great for them. Uh, so, yeah, we should do a QAV analysis and see whether we're a buyer or a seller at this price. But the point I wanted to make, first of all, was the share price was going up and kicked up, I think, 17% when EQT announced its bid. And then when they walked away a week or two later, it's dropped back 17%. Hmm. And it's starting to test the three-point downline, but not quite there yet. Uh, so I've been watching it. At this stage, I'm still a holder. I'm not going to sell. And I noticed that in the last 24 hours, uh, the share price is up nearly 3%. So I'm hoping, and I, there's no reason not to say that Vocus will continue along its merry way as it was before the takeover bid, which was on an upward trend. So I'm a holder. Just in terms of the three-point trend line, if I put a ruler over the previous lows, it's sort of coming in uh, one or two. So it's hard to tell on this y-axis. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm getting somewhere around about 275. Oh, okay. Mm. That's one of the vagaries of doing a three-point trend graph is every graph's going to look slightly different depending on where you're doing it from. Right. When I say the trend, there's two ways of looking at this. There was a trend line established this year, and if you look at the graph from, say, well, actually, no, over the last 12 months, from, say, July of last year through to now, mm-hmm. it's touching the, it's touching that trend line. But you're right, the bottom of the of the share graph was in March of last year. And if you do your three-point trend line from there, it's going to be sort of 260 or 270 on my graph is the bottom. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, so that's another reason why I'd be holding on. It's not getting right down to that. It's not breaking that that bottom of the trough type trend. Right. So even though it's come back a little bit after this uh, termination of discussions with EQT, you're holding on. I am, yeah. And if, yeah, just I guess is the, the reason for highlighting this one is if you look at that, that share graph, there's a big pullback of 17%. You can see like a peak in the trough forming. And that's sometimes when you might get a bit nervous and say, well, is it going to keep going or is it going to turn round? And that's why you've got to, I think, think about, you know, why I bought into it in the first place. The, mm-hmm. the score was was cheap. The score was good. The price was cheap. It's a quality company, and it hasn't gone all the way back to uh, to that uh, bottom of the trough three point trend line, if you like. Mm. All mm. right. Well, you want to break into it and see where we get. Yep. Let's all do right. V O C is the game of the day. I haven't done any background work on this, so um, can I rely on you to give us some numbers out of yep. Stock Doctor? Of course. Thanks, mate. <laughs> What's their net cash? Net operating cash is three hundred and two million eight hundred and fifty-four thousand. Right. Number of shares on issue, and that is six hundred and twenty million two hundred and forty-one thousand. Which gives me cash per share of about forty-nine cents. Share price is $3.83 as of today. Mm-hmm. And that's the 10th of June for anyone listening. 10th of June 2019, to be specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if you are listening to this uh, 
some relatively distant point in the future, you know, what we what we uh, suggest you do is play along, but get your own numbers, more up-to-date numbers, plug them in, and, and it will be interesting to see how the score has changed between when we did this and when you do it. And, of course, as we always say, don't listen to anything we say and take it as financial advice. This is education only, but, you know, plug it in and see how it's how the score's changed. So that gives me a share price to cash per share of about seven eighty four. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, three point trend line over the last five years. Well, we're looking at yeah using the five year graph, but the current three point trend line. Yeah. Okay. So if I bring it down to the last twelve months. Oh, you're looking at a five year graph, but looking at the last twelve months, are you? Yeah, well, that's where the most recent yeah. peaks are, right? Yeah, and troughs. And troughs, yeah. So um, I would say that it's uh, positive. Yeah, so that's that was our discussion before. It's uh, it's up and down, but I think overall it hasn't gone back and breached that, that three-point trend line that was taken from the lowest points in the trough. Yeah. So yeah. give, it a, give it a two or a one? I'll give it a two. Two. What's its dividend yield? It is uh, no dividend. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it says on the ASX too. And just a bit of background on Vocus. It's a, it's a commercial data provider, but it also runs some undersea cables that carry data, I think from memory, between Australia and Singapore maybe, or Singapore, uh, Australia and Hong Kong. And... Uh, about three years ago, there was a lot of upheaval. There was a bit of a split on the board and directors were resigning and I think the original founders may have resigned mm. uh, over growth issues and acquisitions and that's when the dividend was cut. I see some uh, interesting names on the uh, board there, including Bruce Ackhurst. Uh, from the old Telstra days. Yeah. Mm. Bob Mansfield, I think, was also the chair of Telstra at some stage. Is he on the board? Yeah, he is the. Oh, he's a director. oh yeah, Robert Mansfield. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so uh, let's get back to no dividend. What else have we got? Uh, their PE. I've so, got fifty nine point two nine on the ASX. Yeah, I've got fifty two point three one in Stock Doctor. What's their PE history like? Up and down. So fifty two certainly not the lowest. The last six PEs were 27, 11.4, 22.3, 97.3, 21.7, 43.7 at the last results, and then 52.3 now. Oh, you were giving those to me in uh, chronological order, not going backwards. Doesn't matter. Yes, I was. All the same. Okay, so it's not the lowest is what we know. Uh, Do you have a net equity figure there? Net equity is, sorry, just waiting for a refresh. Net equity is $2,351,307,000. Wow. They got some cash. Well, that's equity, but yeah, they do have cash as well. Well, the cash would be part of the equity, I'm imagining. Could be. Uh, Could be be assets. Could be the cables. Right. Do we want to look at their uh, previous net equities? Going back to December 15, 906 million, 
then it jumped to 3.1 billion, then 3.8 billion, but then it dropped to 2.3 billion, where it's pretty much stayed since then. Uh, so my net equity per share is about 3.8, 3.79, 3.8. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my price to book ratio is one, one percent. One percent or a hundred percent? No, I got one percent. The share price is three eighty-three. The net equity per share is three eighty. So yeah, okay. the price minus NEPS divided by NEPS is one uh, percent. So it's okay. roughly what it's saying is the. Share price of the net equity per share, yeah. The share price is about 1% higher than the net equity per share. Mm-hmm. You got a NPAT, net income after tax, net profit after tax? Um, net profit after tax is $45.9 million. And earnings per share? Earnings per share is 7.32 cents. Again, that's different. The ASX has 0.65 cents. So the ASX is giving it to you in dollars per share or cents per share? Well, dollars, point zero six five dollars Okay, so, so they're saying 6.5 cents and Stock Doctor's saying 7.3 cents. Yeah. And there was a slight difference in the PE ratios before, so I'm guessing yeah. one or the other is using probably pre-abnormals and the other one's using after-abnormals. Oh, okay, right. That's just a guess okay. for profit, which is because it's throwing out those two metrics. I'm guessing it's got to do with the recording of profit. Yeah, Return on equity gives me 2%. Stock doctor is 1.96. And now, future earnings per share. Do you have Future earnings there? per share, yep. It's saying 16.9 cents. Okay. Okay, so stock doctor uses a consensus of nine brokers. And I think that's what's fueling that earnings per share forecast. 16.9 cents. Yeah. Well, it gives me an intrinsic value number one of 38 cents and intrinsic value number two of $2.25. Okay, and just just don't forget that the RBA lowered rates last week, so you've got to now do your calculation on intrinsic value number two at 7.25%. Ah, yeah, good point. And that's one of the one of the strange reasons why shares rise when interest rates go down because all the spreadsheets on Wall Street get wound back <laughs> with the hurdle rates. Right. <laughs> Did make a huge difference to intrinsic value number two. It's certainly below three dollars eighty three, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. All right, let's hit the checklist. Is it a star stock on Stock Doctor? No. Uh, share analysis is still down? Still it's still down, yeah. Have you emailed them and said, uh, I I should know. what's going yeah. on, kids? Do you pay for that? <laughs> you do, don't you? It's I, a, do. I, I do. I do. They did come back with a general email saying that they were going to add a month subscription to everyone's account. If they but yeah, it's that. dragged on for a long time now. That's weird. So is the share price beneath the stock doctor intrinsic value? It's bang on. It's $3.83 is the consensus fair value in stock doctor. Huh. So we give it a zero? No, we'll still give it a one. I mean, trading at fair values is fine. Right. Okay. Is the share price beneath the stock, uh, the share analysis? Well, we don't know know. because it's uh, down. Uh, It's kind of worrying though, isn't it? That's been down for weeks now. Yeah, something's not gone right there. Yeah. Is it below my intrinsic value if I use a 19.5% hurdle rate, intrinsic value number one? Definitely not. Is it below the intrinsic value using the uh, 7.25? Definitely not. 
is the share price less than 30% above the net equity per share? Uh, yeah. Yes. It is. So we give it, it was, a one. We do. Hmm. Does the share price have a positive trend? We decided it does. Is it the lowest PE in the last three years? No. Because you had a 27 and an 11 and a 22 yeah. or a 21 in there. Yep. So it gets a zero for that. Growth earnings of the earnings per share divided by the PE. Uh, I'm getting 0.25, and we want it to be more than one and a half. So it gets a zero. Correct. Yep. Does the company have consistently increasing equity? Uh, 3.8, 3.1. What did we say now? 2.3. So no. No, correct. Is the PE less than the yield, where it has no yield, so no. Mm-hmm. Is the dividend yield higher than the mortgage rate? Well, no, nothing is uh, not mm-hmm. higher than the mortgage rate, so no. Is the financial health from Stock Doctor stable or increasing, Tony? Yes, it's strong last half and strong this half. All right, gets a one. Mm-hmm. Is the forecast intrinsic value more than twice the share price? The forecast intrinsic value I have is $2.33. Share price is three eighty three. dollars So no. Is it one of Correct. the top 10 stocks on the ASX, Tony? No. No. Market cap's not big enough. All right. So we'll null that one out. Mm-hmm. Is the price per share divided by the cash per share less to or equal than six? I get seven eighty four. Mm-hmm. Correct. So gets a zero. Is the CEO an owner or founder? Who did we decide the CEO is? Ken Russell. So no. So just looking at, I'm pretty sure the founders got turfed down in a war. Of course they did. With the current, with current board. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am seeing someone though, a chap called John Ho, an executive director who holds 9% of the company. He's and not. somebody oh. else called mm-hmm. Zheng Chua. John Ho is a non-executive director, founder and chief investment officer of Jankor Partners. So I'm, I'm actually guessing that they they aren't founders. They're probably a, share, a fund that owns 9.27%. Yeah, they are. They're a fund called Jankor Partners that has 18, right. 17.9% of Vocus. Okay. So no? No. Uh, no founder on the executive team. And share analysis intrinsic value, we can't answer because they did. So let me see here. 15 metrics. We've got a total score of five. I'm going to divide that by 15. Gives us a score of 33%. It's a lot lower than 75%. And a lot lower, yeah. if we... Take that score and divide it by the price to cash flow number. I'm getting 0.04. 0.04, yeah. Yep. So I guess the reason for doing the analysis is to point out that back when I bought it last year, the score was up around that the one mark, and now it's dropped back. But I'm not selling it. I'm just watching to see what happens. And the wrinkles in the last couple of weeks with the takeover that fell through mean you have to watch it pretty closely, but I'm still holding on. And I'll wait to see what the next half results are like before I make a final call. Right. Yeah. So, look, it's not like we actually want this situation to occur where we buy it cheaply on a good score and then watch the share price rise, which weakens the score. 
and then we, uh, which also weakens the checklist score because it's the, uh, you know, price to cash flow goes down, for example. But I'm, I'm going to hold in, in the absence of other information or a break in the trend line. Because um, you don't want to exit out of it and then like watch it and have to buy back in tomorrow if it goes up a little bit. You don't really know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, that's right. So we want a clear a clear direction uh, or or some new information. You're not really a day trader. You don't want to get in and get out and get back in and get out again and do all that. Kind well, of yeah, stuff. and that's the risk with using trend lines is that sometimes they can wiggle around and you get out and get back in. The benefit of using a trend line is like if a GFC top event comes along and everything trends down, you're getting out relatively early. Not at the top, but you know on the way at the top of the downslope, so to speak. But the downside is if you pay too close attention to it or use a graph which is over a short period of time you can exit and enter a lot and that has its own friction costs not the least of which is capital gains tax as well oh so, right yeah i hadn't thought about that hmm. yeah so you don't want to trade too much i mean that's what buffett says he says you know buy it and hold it for life <laughs> uh and that's why he looks for companies with really good moats and really good brands because he can he can confidently buy it and then hold it for a long time, knowing that the income stream's going to hold up. But for other companies, we can see what happened with the Voca share graph, even though it's scoring well on our QAV checklist, at least last year when I bought it. Um, it has been up and down, so you've got to keep an eye on it. You know, you could be like a Buffett-type investor. Um, I don't think there are many stocks on the Australian share market that he might be interested in. Uh, and certainly the ones that he probably is interested in, and I would have thought stocks like a Woolworths, for example, which have been around for a long time and have a have a good moat around their brand, uh, they, they might have interested him. But even they're coming under threat from other other new players. But they're they're trading on a high value, as we saw the other week when we did Coles versus Woolies. Well, actually, and, that that episode probably hasn't gone out yet, Tony. So no one knows what oh, you're talking sorry. about. Oh, sorry. Okay, that. we recorded it a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, <laughs> we're saving that up for when you go golfing in Scotland. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. So, and in, in, in the absence of being able to buy those kinds of wonderful stocks that continue to to produce income without going backwards into the forever, forever, and then finding them at a good price, we we sort of use what we have, which is the checklist and buy shares, but then watch them for their three-point downtrends or some other information that might come forward or some new results with different numbers that might uh, be a reason to trigger a sell. All right. Thanks, Tony. I think good. That's, okay. that's a good one. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. All right. Cheers, mate. Bye. And before you go, I just want to provide a little post note uh i'm editing this on tuesday the 11th of june we recorded monday the 10th of june and uh new news about vocus today there's a new takeover bid from agl that's happened so the share price has been kicking up again today that's uh, one of the uh, things about recording shows like this a little bit uh, well it takes me a few days usually to edit them and different things can happen But of course, as we always say, uh, don't use anything you hear on this as investment advice. We're not investment advisors. Go see uh, an investment advisor. Go see a financial advisor before you do any investing. This show is really just about education. And of course, um, I expect that if you're wanting to get better at this analysis, you're not just doing one a week. Um, You're not going to find many good stocks uh, just playing along with us each week. At some point, 
Uh, I assume all of you will sit down and uh, start to do several a day. Once you get good at it, uh, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, Once you get familiar with the rating system and the data to look at, you can crank out 10 a day, 10 in an hour. Well, maybe not 10. I think Tony and I can run through one in about 10 or 15 minutes now. and I I still need his help. But um, if I was doing it by myself, maybe I could get one done in 20, 30 minutes. So with an hour, you can get a couple done a day. You get through, uh, say, 60 a month. You can start to find some uh, good investments relatively quickly. All right, we'll be back next week with uh, another one. Hope you have a good week. Thanks for subscribing. Ciao.